Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Uh, today is a special episode I'm, I'm doing with my business coach, Henry Meyer, who's based out of Berlin. And we've actually been working remotely for the past uh, probably year. Um, and uh, we are going to do a special interview, a special series on how remote companies can make their processes better so that managers and executives can focus on uh, higher level strategy in order to do, do better business. And the reason why Henry's um, qualified to do this is that he optimized processes for a company called MMT out of Berlin. Um, and so he got the whole team working better together. And Henry really specializes on the emotional intelligence component of how to make a company, how to make a, an individual more effective. Um, and I've, I've benefited from his, his work over the past year. Um, immensely in, in my own life uh, and that's the crazy thing because it's not only it's not only like you can't separate business out from uh, personal life so they're kind of combined in a way that most people don't expect in the same way that our bodies are not separate from our minds um, which most people kind of have the functional opinion that their body is totally separated from a mind that's actually false uh, if you investigate into it um, so really excited to have you on the show Henry welcome to the show thank you thank you so thanks for having me Stuart yeah uh, so we'll get right into it. So a lot of companies probably already know what a process is, but for those listeners who don't, um, or to get a clearer understanding, what is your idea of what a process is? Business. Well, it depends on the, yes, well, it depends on the, the, what the employees or the middle management or the C-level are dealing with, what kind of company you have and uh, um, what their tasks are. So that is kind of uh, the complete picture of one process and then you want to have all these processes together and how do they uh, communicate, how do they um, extract and how do they distribute. Mm. And what are the main problems that companies face when they're trying to improve processes? One that I saw is that the communications, let's say you have a meeting on Monday morning. So what I did is I uh, analyzed the team more or less based on the emotional intelligence of the employees or the C-level people or the middle management again, and have a brief overview of where their strengths also lie. And uh, some people you, let's say you have a meeting of two to, to four hours. Um, some people you don't want to have in the beginning process of the meeting because you go through processes that are maybe interesting for IT or for marketing, but maybe not for other uh, departments. And then actually, builds kind of a clutter. It's, it gets very unclear. People get less motivated and feel actually a little bit drained if they go out of the meeting. Not all of them, of course, but what you better can do is you can create communication lines where you say, okay, once we've settled these components, then we get other people in so that they have the feeling that their opinion counts within the constellation of um, uh, what we are working on. And um, what you see actually is that people come with fresh ideas, fresh mind, points are already thought through by the right departments again, marketing or IT, the specialization has already gone over to by a small group, and then the other department has a chance to implement their knowledge, but it's a process that is actually faster. So that's, for example, uh, one process in, um, in a company that can be optimized. And so that makes me think that self-awareness is key, and, and so a lot of people throw around the word self-awareness, uh, uh, and uh, to me that sounds like self-awareness at a business level. So like the whole business yes. is an organism that works together. Uh, and then how do the managers and executives and, and the team leads uh, understand what's going on in that organism of a business? So how, how can 
managers and executives and team leads understand themselves better uh, in order to get practical changes in their processes. Well, I always like to look at the nature of what we're dealing with. So what is the nature of it? Now, you giving the example of uh, self-awareness on the business level, being aware of the nature of what we're dealing with is a form of uh, being in service of something instead of self-awareness, which is still related to one person. But the more you are in service of the nature of something, and this is, can be a very practical thing like a process within a company, then you just have to serve that process and then you have to look at the components, which is often people, which fitting the most and then which timeline and which framework do you put them? And then you become very efficient. But this is a first landscape and within the landscape, you of course need to also know how to motivate people. And if you know how to do that, then everything becomes even faster or people are more committed to do something. That's pretty insightful. And then, so we've got, a, we've got a company that's trying to improve their processes in order to work at a higher level strategy. Um, what, what are the things about establishing a process that get in the way of focusing on higher level strategy? Can you, can you uh, elaborate a little bit of what a high level strategy is to me so that I understand let's, better? Let's go into that. So what is high, high, what is high level strategy? If you've got a company of 20, 30 people, uh, they're building products uh, maybe for software uh, and they <clears throat> are building these products, selling it to customers, uh, but they've got to fit those products into a overarching strategy of what they're doing and what they're selling. Um, so the, the strategy is like looking at it from the highest level possible to understand where are we right now and where are we going to be in five years? Um, and so how does, and it seems like the processes, that's like the kind of tactics, the, 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 the kind of like basic stuff, the workflow of how you, how, how you think about this workflow, how you do this and how does that kind of get in the way, this kind of like at the ground level details, how does that get in the way of the larger picture of the strategy and the the kind of uh, the meta circumstances we find ourselves in. So first of all, everybody needs to be aware what the influence of time is in this spectrum. If you frame that and you very consciously repeat that very consistent every Monday is like, this is where we are in the process. This is the time that it obviously still estimation wise needs people become aware, but you need on a consistency basis weekly, for example, need to repeat it. That gives them subconscious calmness within the frameworks of the people. So people are, um, other people have this overview. Let's say you're very diplomatic. You can have this overview or you are a good observer. Then you will understand this. But the people that are wanting to feel the performance or wanting to have like um, uh, the excitement of a, a result or a small success in between. That, um, that is very important that these people have also the understanding. And second of all, to keep everybody in line, you also need to celebrate small successes. Or um, one of the most important things that I found in my work with uh, teams or companies is that if you, it's, it's great if you acknowledge somebody, that already gives motivation. But if you acknowledge it by, let's say, uh, uh, in my work, I always talk about an expression form. Let me, let me tell you what an expression form is. Everybody has certain expression forms, and it's the thing that you want to express. Some have it in emotions and wants to express it in creativity. These people are often artists. Others have it in philosophy or structure and overview. So philosophy can be some, as a deep thinker. That doesn't mean that they're slow. They can be very fast. 
uh, structure and overview means that people need to create a certain overview and structure to then very fastly implement uh, their creativity. So if you connect that knowledge, like you know what the person is capable of and good and you say, really great work and you know why it works so well. It works so well because you are so good in creating this overview or you are so good in this creative element. When you are in your creative element, you create the most beautiful things. That has a whole different level of motivation. So if you can combine to empower your people by what they actually do best, you have a 40% well, higher rate of motivation. Even. Mm. And so how can a, um, and is this at the manager and executive level or is it company wide? start at the top where the CEO gets the knowledge of this and then with management you can slowly structure it and then you can implement it within the company structure. Uh, but this is a step-by-step -step process. And the, and the real key seems to be getting um, an analysis of each of the individuals who are playing and really figuring out what they do best. And Because I found that it's horrible if you're doing things that you don't enjoy doing. Um, and so everybody should try to find that sweet spot where they're doing the thing that they want to do um, and not the things that they don't want to do, basically. Sure. And but that, going back to self-awareness, so some people are aware of that, others are not. Mm -hmm. So that's the question. But if you, uh, what I, for example, do is I, when I start working with people is that uh, I have a code of confidentiality. So what uh, people tell me, I cannot tell, for example, to their management or to their boss. Although within that realm of trust, if I see something that's important and I will point it out to the individual I'm working with, 99% of the time, the people see the purpose of it and say, okay, Henry, of course, we can talk about this in the, in the group setting. So I have not been in an experience where something that is very important for the company is withdrawn or not communicated. Uh, but it has to do with a certain level of trust. So you can see that trust also creates people to be free and speak their mind and to be honest. And sometimes when they're afraid, let's say I can lose my job if I do this or if I make the wrong step, maybe what will my manager or the CEO think if I do that? Um, that is actually a lack of honesty. And because of a lack of honesty, you create blind spots. And these blind spots sadly create a, a a chain of events that us are in the disadvantage of the company itself. So this honesty and trust that you can create within a realm of confidentiality is actually very beneficial for later processes. And that seems interesting, that blind spots, I'd like to dig in further into that. How can a company find their own blind spots and uh, uh, I don't want to say fix them, but how can they, they work with them and integrate them? I'm going to give you an example. People, some people have actually natural leadership qualities. There's, of course, a lot of leadership practices or education, but somebody who has true leadership qualities is less interested in their own ego, is quite diplomatic, and has an overview. So if you, if you meet those people, they actually detect already the blind spot within the company, but sometimes they, they are not taken seriously enough so the value of their insights is not used in the benefit of the company. So as soon as you know you have a person on the uh, you say, ground level, not operating at a high level, but having those qualities, you actually have a very bright mind detecting everything that you need to know. So I always pick out those people and say, 
these people you need to listen to. I have even with one company where the founder at a certain point, um, I told him, well, you can even let this person run uh, the company. Um, she or he, uh, well, in this case, she is actually more capable of it than uh, most others, including yourself, <laughs> which, <laughs> which was, of course, a little bit hard for me to hear. Um, but now it seems to be uh, in time uh, true, and there's, she's has been given a chance of doing pretty well. Very interesting. Um, how does fear play a role in mismanagement or bad processes being set up in companies? Um, big role, of course, as soon as you have fear, um, there again, that's a blind spot. So going back to honesty, uh, so very simple emotional math is harmony only exists with honesty. So as soon, let's, let's, let's give a personal example. As soon as you have Christmas with family and you think by yourself, every year is horrible. That's because nobody's honest with each other. So you can better have one big fight where everything is spoken out and everybody thinks this is complete. Uh, well, I cannot swear in this podcast, I guess, but this is uh, BS. Um, uh, but you come to a conclusion where there is a dialogue created. And as soon as you go into a dialogue, you have the chance to correct things. So honesty is create, honesty creates this new harmony, which is actually valid. Now, going back to a company setting is where people fear of losing something or have the fear what other people think of them, that's the first common ground that you need to create. So there are tactics to create that. You create the common ground. People start to feel comfortable and speak their mind. And you have to make sure that they feel that they don't lose their job because of it. That will give you huge leverage on a business level, all the insights that you want on a level of trust, and you can navigate very fast. I would say that will save you 50 to 60% of performance. Mm. Because you don't have to search for things that are uh, hidden. They come out. And what are the other emotions that get in the way of, um, or what are the other emotions that get in the way or support uh, good processes? So what kind of emotions support good processes? Or either take away or make the pro make them processes more difficult to establish or support. Kind of open so which one do you want to know? Which one do you want to know first? What, let's go into anger. How does anger play a role in building a company or setting up processes? There are different forms. I can give you an example from impatience. People that are impatient don't understand the nature of things we started with. So if you understand the nature of it, you can be very mad that something doesn't go fast enough. But if the nature of it is a certain time process and you're mad, well, sorry, bad news for you. This, If you start forcing, things break. So anger has no... Uh, no use in uh, a business setting. So anger does the opposite, slows down processes, make people less motivated. Anger leased upon employees or management coming from a higher position uh, will create a form of work and will also create a form where you can think that it's efficient, but it's only short-term. On the long-term, you will have the opposite effect. So the long-term, you will lose in, within the processes. This is a really great point. Uh, so how does, a, how does a manager and executive know when they're setting up a process that is short-term in sight as opposed to long-term? Well, if you have the component of anger, it's already short-term. What are some other factors that go into this kind of short-term versus long-term? Short-term 
uh, processes are changeable into long-term process if you know how to communicate and how you create common ground within a company setting of a dynamical team setting. You have to know how to do it. And so again and again, I'm kind of reminded that this all comes down to basic, not, I wouldn't want to say common sense because it's not common to everyone. Uh, so, and knowing this, that a lot of this stuff is basic, it seems simple yet difficult. Um, and, and how can a company, knowing that there's all these simple things and knowing that the people at the top have a lot more incentive uh, than the people who are not at the top to uh, kind of do these simple but difficult things. It seems like, uh, I, I don't really know what my question is, but how can we do these simple yet difficult things? Or how can we find the confidence, the, the courage to do the simple yet difficult things as leaders? The result is that the answers are simple. The way to go there is a little bit more complex. So if there are people that are feeling like they're competitors within the team, well, that doesn't work. If you're on the same side, you don't compete. That, that makes no sense at all. But that happens a lot. So again, you have a process where you have to be very aware how you um, manage those people. So, and it's most of the time done by appreciation and recognizing strength and being compassionate and having a lot of empathy. So these, these basic ingredients um, have a certain structure behind them. Being having a lot of empathy of being compassionate and then looking into your company how the structures of your team work You can very fastly find out how you can build that structure Fill it with new content and have the compassionate form within your company. What do you mean by content? recognizing consistently qualities of people and also giving appreciation again between those people so it doesn't always have to be higher position person versus an employee, the employees between each other can also ask each other questions. And that's the thing that's very much forgotten is that people that have certain talents that are stronger than your talents, it's not a shame to go there and say, hey, I see that you're very good at that. What's your opinion about this? This form of collaboration um, uh, uh, is, is very strong. And second of all, if you then recognize so higher management or C-level C comes to you and you say, you say, well, great work. And then you say, yeah, I'm, thank you for my great work, but I have to get Stanley here or, uh, uh, or Brad here and I have to say, I have to acknowledge him because he's so good at naturally feeling this. This makes such a strong team effort. So the person on a higher level will see that somebody has a lot of integrity. The other person will get respect. So the whole constellation start to work organically. Mm -hmm. And this is looking at the nature of a process again. So in this case, the nature of it is the talent of the people, the competence that they have, not based on their uh, education, for example, but actually based on uh, what we talked about before, their expression forms or their strengths or pitfalls, whatever, you, however you may see it. If you put those together and you communicate those, so communication is key in this case, you get a whole different level of human performance. You, you create star teams if you want to express it like that. Cool. So we got about five minutes left. What is the most, from our conversation, what is the most valuable thing that we've discovered um, in, our, in our conversation about how teams and managers and executives can build better processes to, so that they can focus on higher level strategy? What is your opinion about that? What, is, what did you, uh, in this talk, see as most valid at the moment? I think for me, it's the 
the thing that came up, came on coming, <laughs> kept on coming back to my mind was this book called range. Uh, and in this book range, uh, it talks about a lot of people talk about the 10,000 hour rule. So how the 10,000 hours, all you need is 10,000 hours of practice to become a master at certain things. Turns out that that study was only done on things like violin and chess, uh, things with very clear feedback, clear rules, everything's uh, understood about what needs to be done. Um, the processes are all really simple and clear. Uh, so you just need to pound it out and just do that. Turns out life doesn't work that way. Life is made up of what is called wicked games. Wicked, wicked games are these um, games where feedback comes late, feedback is wrong, feedback doesn't come at all. Uh, and so you're, you're essentially doing, you're working in total uncertainty. And so it, it, it brings to my mind that building a company, building processes is very, very much a wicked game. Uh, and a lot of times the thing that's coming to mind is the fear part how fear can kind of come into an organization and really start to set up conflicts of interest, doubt, how fear is the, is the mind killer essentially. And, and, and all these other emotions, anger, this frustration, um, uh, like all of this leads to people not being honest with each other. And the thing I really liked about what you pointed out was the, oh, there's a word, uh, harmony. Harmony doesn't happen without honesty. Uh, I, th I think that's a really important insight as well. What do you think? Yeah, and it's, 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 it's a simple math behind it. So you have common ground, honesty, and trust. If you can implement those strategies and you're very aware how they work within every setting, because every setting is a little bit different, there are nuances. And if you step-by-step step implement it, you will see in a whole change within the company and you can see it in a lot of performances. So not only you will be more time efficient, People uh, will be more enjoying their work. Also, there will be some more uncomfortable talks, which is very healthy. Every relation, even a personal relationship that you want to contain uh, based on harmony has uncomfortable uh, thoughts. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to pull the plug or something gets uncomfortable. A lot of people think that that is going to happen with their job. And if you're the head of a company and you, uh, you punish mistakes, well, that's going to be hard to run it for, for a longer time. So these basic components being implemented in the right way with the right angle makes your company efficient in time and time equals then money or revenue, however you may see it. Cool. So that sounds yeah. pretty, pretty helpful. Uh, hopefully we got some really good stuff out for managers and executives uh, of, of these teams to help them make better decisions on their processes. Um, anything else that you feel is really relevant to this discussion that we should, we should talk about before we stop. Uh, let me think if I have something, there are probably still a lot of, <laughs> a lot of things we could talk about. Um, let me see if I have a recent example. Yes, I have one. I have one, uh, with the CEOs I've worked. I always, <laughs> I see, uh, there's a little bit of a European and American thing. I don't, I see that they do it in the States a little bit more. So you need 10, between 10, 15, or even 20% just of creative time to develop, you know? And uh, here in Europe, what it is is that CEOs, CEOs are often booked completely full, which makes it uh, the helicopter view a little bit harder, and it also makes it harder to really steer the company from a creative development point of view. So I think there you can add value by just understanding how important that process would process of creativity within the mind of a CEO could be. Very cool. 
And so how can, if people liked what, what we talked about this episode and want to find out how to personalize it to their companies, uh, how can they find you? They can find me best on LinkedIn, I would say. That is the easiest way to reach me. So Henry Meyer, uh, Edward Roberts, the company name, and um, you will find me there. How do you spell Meyer? That is, uh, oh, you have to spell it in English for me, Stuart. I always <laughs> spell it wrong in English. So can you please spell it for me? Yeah. Uh, so it's Henry uh, and then Meyer uh, is, so Henry is spelled H-E-N-R-I. Uh, and then Meyer is spelled M-E-I-J-E-R. Uh, and uh, that's, that's how you spell it. It's spelled again, H-E-N-R-I-M-E-I-J-E-R. Uh, so it's Henry Meyer. Thank you, Stuart. Cool. Uh, thank you, guys. Have a great day.